Okay, and welcome to what probably will be our final uh, Torah and Science Shear, which uh, was all, remember, in honor of Hanukkah. So the much uh, anticipated discussion about dinosaurs. I've certainly been waiting for it. Uh, uh, very excited to talk about it. So, dinosaurs, number one, the evidence for dinosaurs is the, you know, the, the, the amount of fossils that they found is, is overwhelming. There's just very clear that there was a lot of, there's a lot of really large bones and many of them are fully intact or mostly intact skeletons and it's, uh, it's not really too much um, to talk about as far as um, archaeological evidence. But there are a few very interesting things to discuss. Um, there are two very perplexing uh, issues that revolve around dinosaurs. Uh, and maybe, and maybe the um, maybe we can have some interesting conversations about that. So first of all, um, one very perplexing topic around dinosaurs is what is called Galileo's square cube law. Okay, so for mathematicians, like Kirill, I just mentioned it to him. He never heard of it before, but as soon as he heard the words, it was very readily obvious. Those that are not mathematicians among us, it's a little bit uh, less immediately obvious, but I think we can, we can get there pretty quickly. Um, and that is that everyone's heard of Galileo Galilei, famous uh, scientist, Renaissance man. Uh, so he stated very, uh, very plainly that... Uh, all these myths about, you know, uh, these uh, giants, you know, in Gulliver's Travels or whatever it is, uh, are totally not possible. And, and uh, that's kind of the exciting part of what he said, but kind of the more boring but very, but very uh, directly applicable thing is, have you ever wondered why it is that like these little creatures you know, whether it be ants or, I don't know, mice or whatever it is, they're so agile, so strong relative to their weight, right? You could, you know, drop an ant from like a hundred times its height and it just lands and walks away, no problem. It can drag like things that are heavier than, way heavier than its weight. You know, grasshopper can jump like... 50 times its height or whatever it is, uh, really incredible things um, when they're these little guys. Then you get to like mid-size animals and they kind of become much more just kind of okay average, you know, running, jumping, you know, a dog can jump what, maybe, you know, like its own height or something like this, uh, can drag something close to its own weight. Uh, but, you know, if you drop it from, like, a two-story building, you'll probably get hurt, yeah? Um, and then you get to, like, really big animals, such as elephants. And what happens when an elephant sees a mouse and, and jumps up? Anybody know? What? Earthquake. Good. Anybody know? Answer is they don't jump. Yeah, elephants don't jump. That's the answer. Elephants do not know how to jump. They cannot jump. And if theoretically an elephant didn't jump, did jump, elephant would likely break all four of his legs. Okay, it's hard enough for them to walk or you know run because they they have these really special, super wide feet. It's like these big pillows. They basically like run on pillows, right? And 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 the reason is because of this concept of Galileo's square cube law, okay? So the way, the way it works like this, um, whether it be bone strength or muscle strength, both operate on cross-sectional area. I mean, a bone uh, has to 
not break, right? So breaking, that just depends on how much area of bone you have. The wider the bone, the more area you have, the stronger it is, okay? So, you, uh, whereas weight of the animal is measured by volume, not by, not by area, right? Because it's a three-dimensional object. So, if you start with something really small, it has the ratio of how much, let's say, cross-sectional area it has in its bones or in its muscles relative to its weight is actually pretty high. As you just take the same thing and just kind of, you know, blow it up, then that ratio drastically drops down because in one of them you're growing in a squared fashion, and then you're growing in a cubed fashion, and so very quickly you end up with a really tiny number. So just to make it simpler, we'll take, uh, instead of going from two-dimensional to three-dimensional from a square to a cube, uh, let's go, let's go, you know, one-dimensional to two-dimensional, right? So if you imagine you have a square, one, one inch by one inch square. So the area of that, uh, the um, circumference, no, not circumference, perimeter, what? You use area, right? yeah, so, so area is going to be two-dimensional, right? So the perimeter is going to be one-dimensional, like a string, if you tie, if you ran a string around it, right? So if it's one inch by one inch, so the perimeter is going to be four inches. And the area is going to be one squared inch, right? So, so, if we, so we'll call that you know, four to one ratio, right? So the, the, the perimeter to area, that'll be a four to one ratio, that's one inch. Now, I just, I'm not gonna change any ratios, I'm just gonna make it a 100 by 100 inch square. Right, so what's gonna be my uh, perimeter? 400. What's gonna be my area? So it's 100 times 100 is 10,000. Right, so now it's 400 divided by 10,000, which is really tiny. Right, so the point is that as the thing gets bigger, because the one of them is growing in a linear fashion, it was growing in a squared fashion, that's why it gets really out of whack, okay? So the point is that Galileo concluded is that that's why you see these little tiny animals that are super strong because muscle strength is determined by cross-section, okay? Basically, how many fibers do you have working at the same time? That's determined by, you know, you cut the muscle like this, look at how big the, the, the cross-section is, okay? Bone strength is determined, again, by cross-section. But the weight is determined by volume. Okay, so these little guys, they have relatively super strong bones and super strong muscles relative to a tiny little weight. Take the same guy and scale him up, and it's not going to work, right? It's, and that's why even the body shape changes, right? They, they, you, can't, you can't operate the same way. So that's why, you know, like, a, like a, the, what's his name, Godzilla and King Kong, right? The, all those things are impossible. Like King Kong, yes, a, you know, a gorilla who's about like this big, he could jump around and do all sorts of really cool stuff. But if you make him a hundred times bigger, then if he tries jumping like that, he, first of all, he won't be able to get enough muscle going to be able to push himself up like that. And second of all, he'll break all his bones on impact. Okay? So it comes out a huge, huge problem because we're finding these really large bones in the ground, right? These enormous... Uh, dinosaur bones, right? And you, when you put these skeletons together, these things are coming out. Some of, the, some of the bigger dinosaurs should be 60, 70, 80, 100 tons. Tons. Okay? Elephants are like 5 to a maximum 10 tons or, or woolly mammoths. Okay? So you're talking about potentially an order of magnitude of 10 times as heavy as an elephant. Okay? means when it's getting this big, all the physics just go totally wacko. Right? Again, their bones couldn't possibly have been strong enough to let them walk. Right? Especially a two-legged dinosaur. It's like a T-Rex. It's just, that's, that's out of the question. Or running, for sure. Right?
their muscles weren't strong enough to be able to propel them. Uh, we, have, we have issues with blood pressure, right? You get, so you, if you're a little guy, it's very easy to pump around blood up to the head and back down to the tail. Very small, right? But when you're trying to pump it up a, um, you know, 100 foot, <laughs> you know, long neck or whatever it is, right? So to maintain blood pressure up in the head, you, you would have to have blood pressure that's so strong, it'll like blow a hole in the tail. But you're talking about warm-blooded animals, not necessarily like reptiles. Why? What's the difference? Why? You still have to get blood up to the brain, right? Not necessarily. How could I mean, the brain, how could the brain blood work blood. without blood? But it doesn't circulate as fast as our blood. Fast is a different story, but you do need to get the... A giraffe's blood pressure is like 300. Giraffes very often die of, of heart attack. Well, giraffe is a warm-blooded animal, so it needs, it needs a much faster flow. We're not talking about the speed. We're talking about how much pressure you have to generate to get the blood that high up. Um, that's that's uh, all sorts of problems like this. Um, and then the last thing is what you guys are saying is that, you know, first of all, by the way, it's not, not so clear that they were cold-blooded, but assuming that they were cold-blooded, what? They were, were warm-blooded, according to research. There's, there's disagreements about it, yeah, it's not, not so clear. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly the predominant view is they're cold-blooded, but it's starting to come out that perhaps, perhaps they were It's all very speculative uh, at this stage, as far as I can tell. But... Um, but either way, now you look, you look at some of these flying dinosaurs that are so enormous, right? Uh, the again, parent, I, I'm not a big physics guy, uh, but from, from the reading that I've done, basically all the scientists seem to view this as a major problem. As there's a number of answers that are given. This is not like by wackos or flakes. This is like real scientists saying this this is a major problem, and we'll talk about some of the solutions that they offer. But the, this is a major problem. Misha? Is Galileo's uh, square cube law widely accepted? Like, is it like a standard? Yeah, it's basically like. I mean, the principles of it are just very, very basic math that you can't deny. Uh, you know, the, 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 the practical application of you know exactly how much you know weight can the different bones bear, etc. Um, you know, that's you know there there you could have you know a little bit more disagreements. It depends. You know, sometimes. Details might make a difference, but um, but basically the thinking is that elephants are pretty close to as big as a animal can get without suffering all these problems. Michael, doesn't the Torah talk about these like giant leviathans? So they existed these giant giant creatures. I don't know how giant they were. Well, uh, does the Torah say how giant they were? Right, so personally, again, just working off of that, I would say that an elephant is enormous. Personally, I don't know about you. What about blue whales? Blue whales are really big. Blue whales have a really big advantage, as well as other types of whales, is that they're in water. Right, so the water is a really is a really important thing. It it provides buoyancy, right, which uh, which basically takes most of the weight off of the bones and and. And the, and, the, and the muscles and yeah, that would be that would be a really big boon if if these dinosaurs were water dinosaurs, which once upon a time there was some thinking about that that these really really big dinosaurs were kind of like hippos. They used to stand around in water like most of the way up and, and just kind of their neck sticking out. But uh, seemingly the scientists have have uh, debunked that because of the way that their feet are and you know whatever. That, that it seems to be they were they used to walk around on dry land. That's again I'm not a paleontologist, but just selling it for what I bought it for. Okay, um, so so how is this dealt with? This is a couple of interesting things. One option is gravity used to be close to half as strong as it is today. So I mean, if you make gravity a lot weaker, then then, uh, then it's then you, know, you deal with these problems. 
Uh, <clears throat> now, to make gravity half as strong as it is today, there's a few options, but they're all tricky. Either you have to make the Earth um, way bigger, like it used to be like a balloon, right? To, the, so that we're, we're much farther away from the center of, 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 the, of gravity. It's, uh, the, and, the, and the Earth has compacted over the, over the years, but there would be like some crazy amount of compaction that has happened. It doesn't seem to be so plausible. The other option is buoyancy, right? That uh, basically the atmosphere of the Earth was like three quarters as um, dense as, as water. It's like it was kind of like a syrupy atmosphere. It was, it was a quasi-water atmosphere. I mean, so much humidity in the air that it's you're kind of swimming, right? Three quarters as like water, right? So uh, not quite water. So not reaching the blue whale mark, but what? Like a rainforest, like a million times more, right? Um, uh, the I don't know. It's hard for me that one, especially like imagining like a T Rex running through the water. Like it's really hard to like run through the water. I would imagine you know if it's if it's so if it's so thick like the syrupy uh, atmosphere, be maybe it'd be good to like have like really large. Maybe those wings that those um, what are those called? The flying the, the pterodactyls. Maybe they weren't actually flying. Maybe they used to just propel themselves through the thick atmosphere. Um, okay, I don't know, but it, it, these are these are these are difficult things. Um, just just a, a proposal we we uh, we said last time that. The world itself went through a process of materialization, it means going from an abstract spiritual world, relatively, to a much more physical world. And the reason why, you know, Galileo's square cube law never, you know, the children are never bothered by it, right, is because. In the abstract, there's nothing preventing a person from imagining or thinking about a really, really enormous dinosaur, right? That's why you can have movies of Jurassic Park and no one running around says, hey, how come their bones are not breaking, right? Because that's like, a, you know, the devil lies in the details, right? Like it's, 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 the, it's only when things become very concretized and the laws of physics are really determining what's happening, then it's true. But if the world was much more spiritual back then yeah so then uh, you have these enormous creatures in a much more spiritual reality and they die and then as the entire world concretizes and materializes so do their bones so this would be an interesting thing to contemplate, right? So if they lived in a more spiritual world, in other words, we're accomplishing similar things to what cutting gravity in half or making this super thick syrupy atmosphere, but simply by saying that the just like we said that if a person planted a planted a uh, a seed, it would grow up. Right, Chazal tell us, and before before the before the Mabu would grow up almost immediately to be a full sized plant, because the laws of uh, nature we said were were much softer. So then uh, it's much easier to hear the way before that there were yes uh, these enormous creatures, and there was no and there was no problem presented to them by physicality. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, another interesting thing uh, is, to this day, there's big disagreements. Uh, exactly what happened? You have these dinosaurs. They rule the Earth for I don't know how many uh, years. 
They are the undisputed super heavyweight champion of the, you know, uh, of all the different, you know, UFC and uh, um, what's the boxing thing called? World? What? All all those, right? He's the the T-Rex, seven-time champion, right? And all of a sudden, off the map, right? Usually... You, you know, you have like, okay, you could squeeze somebody out little by little, you can, work, you know, develop your own niche, but this sudden uh, extinction of a super class of monsters that dominated the world is difficult. Uh, so, two current theories are, uh, there's been some other ones floating around, but uh, either a climate change means climate became much colder, uh, you know, whatever it is, and, and they simply could not adapt. That's one theory. The other theory is a uh, meteor strike. Okay? Now, the truth is that both of those still are not addressing fundamental, meaning they're, they're telling us an event that happened, not addressing fundamentally why it is that they went extinct. And the simple reason is because the mammals survived through whichever one of these events you want to claim, mammals survived, right? So let's talk about climate change, right? Climate change, let's say if it wasn't sudden, right? According to the media theory, it would be sudden. Say it wasn't sudden. It would be over hundreds of thousands of years at least, right? So uh, according to modern scientific dating, obviously, uh, I am previous year that we said about our dating system. Um, but so if that's the case, then why couldn't they adapt, right? It, it's quite a, uh, a decent amount of time. It's getting colder. So the, the one that, uh, you know, the, grows the most feathers or the most fur wins, right? So uh, the, the, the mammals did it, right? We can assume that the mammals were not very hairy when it was really hot, right? Not good to be hairy when you're hot. Right? But, uh, and then, uh, so it got cold, they grew some hair, right? So, so why is it the dinosaurs could not adapt? That would be, that would be still a question that, that is not being addressed. And, and even the media strike, again, whatever was a sudden change, uh, but the mammals survived, right? So what is, what is it about the dinosaurs that caused this mass extinction. So let's look at the Torah a little bit. So first of all, already Michael helped us out, right? In the, in the first uh, parak of Beratius. So we talk about the Tani Magdolim, the great um, serpents or perhaps dragons, right? It's uh, interesting that pretty much ubiquitous to, you know, across the world, Right to human cultures is the dragon. Right and the, now, uh, dragons and dinosaurs, in case you didn't notice, bear a really strong resemblance one to the other. Right um, now, seemingly, I don't know. I mean, uh, seemingly, man should have never seen uh, dinosaurs. Right? And yet, and fossils are certainly a fairly rare uh, recent discovery. So, uh, and yet there's this persistent um, tradition across cultures of dragons, these great serpents. Um, so Rashi tells us that Hashem created these great serpents. However, if we look in the Torah, the word Tanim Gdolim is written missing a Vov, uh, a Yud, missing a Yud, right? Which uh, the Yud Mem ending says pl- means plural. You take away the Yud and it seems to be not plural, right? So, so Rashi brings a Chazal that says that Hashem uh, killed them. He killed them specifically by killing the female. Uh, and 
ergo the male was not was not uh, able to continue replicating. Yes. Were there were, were they in the ground? You're asking, or had people discovered them? I'm not privy to that knowledge, but I would venture to say. I mean, I mean I'm pretty sure that the current thinking is that no one knew about them back then. Um, you know, is it possible someone discovered them and then afterwards lost them, and nobody, you know, the knowledge has been forgotten? You know, anything's possible, but uh, I believe that the understanding is that this is that you know, this is a very recent discovery. People didn't used to dig really, really deep in the ground. Mm-hmm. Also, like you know, it's not, it's not like you usually. It's a very rare find, like an, an intact uh, dinosaur skeleton, right? And you know, usually you find uh, you know a few bones here and there. These experts, that, you know, that they can they're so good at studying this. This is not something that humans have been doing for too long. How many? Seven. Seven. And of those, how many are fully intact? Where you'd even be able to tell that it's a T-Rex and not a cow, <laughs> if you if you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. So when Rashi refers to the word serpent, it's referring to the the mythological one, not the dinosaur. Well, I mean, uh, the question is, are they maybe the same ones, yes. right? Yes. But uh, but Rashi is not coming at it from from archaeological evidence. <laughs> Right, Rashi is coming from the fact that the Torah says so. The Torah says that Hashem created Tanim Gdolim, these uh, great uh, serpents or you know, dragons, like Michael was saying, enormous uh, size. Um, they, because I'll do say that they were of, of, of enormous caliber. And they say something else very interesting, that, that if they would have been allowed to continue to reproduce, they would have destroyed the world. In, in other words, they were so powerful, there would have been no room for humanity. Humanity couldn't have possibly developed with such, with such monsters running around. So, so Hashem killed them, um, specifically killed the female, which is an interesting thing, what it means to kill the female of it. Um, but the... Uh, There is a principle that the Kadmonim talk about, and it's a concept of that yeah, um, someone who is a freak, right? let's talk about something we're more familiar with for, for, for a minute, let's say a person, uh, or an entity, it's a freak, is... means it's very one-dimensional. Means some something that is what we're, what we're used to seeing are things that are fairly balanced, right? Um, let's say you you see arms and legs and and uh, and you know, m- most animals have some sort of a basic um, image to them, right? It, it, but it, but if you were to see a a, a freak again, let, let's say let's say let's say a giraffe, a giraffe is really, really strange looking, right? Um, now, it can be very good if the only purpose in life is to reach the really tall branches, then the giraffe is by far and away the best, right? But now, let's say, let's say for whatever reason, I don't know, there's really strong hurricanes and they tear off the tops of all the trees. So there's no more, there's, all the trees are now short or there's a forest fire, now all the trees have been burned down all there is is a, bunch, is a bunch of shrubs. So then the giraffes have no flexibility. They have, they have no, they have no uh, adaptability to do other things. Because the, he has this enormous neck. And it's really, really hard to have this neck. We said he has a heart. It's like a 25-pound heart. Like, you know, four inches thick walls generating 300, um, you know, uh, blood pressure, and they live very short lives because of this really long neck that they have. So if the only goal in life is to get to the top uh, leafage, then they're very good. But the moment something changes, then they, then, they, then they can't deal with it. Okay, so being a freak 
is good as long as like if you if you really narrowly specialize, right? Like I, I do this one thing, that's all I do. Then you could be really really good at that thing. But the moment there's a need for for uh, adaptation, you can't do it. Similarly, is collaboration, right? Is to be able to work together. Is the um, there's a need for being balanced, being um, flexible, having different different abilities, even though. Those are maybe more expensive to carry around, right? Expensive, I mean, energy-wise or whatever it is, right? To uh, certain things that uh, humans do that, you know, if we, if, we, if we're only to do this one thing, maybe it would be better to be designed differently. But 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 mammals are 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 extremely diverse, right? And the other thing is this concept of the, what what is the fundamental between a mammal and a non-mammal? Anybody? What? Live birth. Live birth. Exactly. Of course, the, the lady. The lady identifies it, right? Because the ladies are the ones that are most nefesh, right? To carry around, to carry the baby, right? It's really, really difficult to carry the baby. It takes a big toll, right? But, but the difference is that you're giving up in order that the young should be born much more developed than just dropping an egg and walking away. Okay? So this concept that Hashem killed the female means their females, and this is also kind of a theory out there, that their eggs were terribly preyed upon by little critters, mammals or sna- you know, snakes or, or little reptiles, right? Because the point is reptiles don't protect their eggs. They just you know, drop them and walk away. Which is great for the big dinosaur that's running off to get his next meal, but it's really bad for the, for the little guys, right? So it means you have to be able to work together because if the if the female is pregnant, right, then she needs the male to take care of her, right? If, if the mother bird is sitting on the eggs, she needs the papa bird to run around and and fly around and get and get the worms and uh, and, and bring them home right so the point is you need this collaboration so if you have these monstrous one dimensional you know little tiny brain creatures that have gotten extraordinarily good at whatever it is this one thing that they do but that's all they do so they're not capable of adapting they're not capable of collaboration they're not capable of role distribution, and that would be a reason why they go extinct. This, uh, in the Sfarmakadoshim, talk about as a concept. There was a question that was raised uh, from one of our Zoom participants. So why would Hashem create these monsters only to, only to kill them? So this uh, I'm trying to tread very carefully over here to say what I can say and not to say what I can't say. Um, I'll start off with a uh, there is a very controversial Tiferi Sroll. The Tiferi Sroll is one of the great uh, commentators on the Mishnayas. You've learned Mishnayas, you've probably, hopefully seen on towards the bottom, the Yachin Boas, incredible commentary on the Mishnayas, Tremendous Talmud Chacham, and in his times, they started finding uh, dinosaur fossils. So he writes that these dinosaurs are the remnants of these... Um, this concept that the Kadmonum talk about very, of primordial forces that Hashem created. Let's talk about the Leviathan, this primordial force. First, I'll give an analogy. Um, 
if I want to build a house, I want to build a house out of wood, right? Um, so what do I do in 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 this world? Um, in fact, I think I think that that's a Gemara in in, in Gittin if, uh, with uh, with Beitar, when a when um, when a boy would be born, Rebersh, what, what would they plant in Beitar? A cedar tree. Very good. And when a girl would be born, what would they plant? A pine tree. And what would happen when the boy and the girl would grow up and they would be getting married? They would build their chuppah from the cedar tree and the pine tree. Now, uh, do we have anyone here that knows anything about wood? The difference in cedar tree and pine tree? Pine what? Go faster, maybe. But what's the difference in the wood itself? Okay, good, and th- that's that's very good. So they have those, those uh, that, that difference. And cedar is super strong wood. It's very very strong wood. Whereas, oh, the we have an answer up there on the board that the pine is much more flexible. That's why you make masts for ships or used to out of pine. Because okay? if it would be a stiff cedar mast, then a strong wind would blow. And your mast would crack, right? So you have these two woods, this cedar very, very strong, and the pine malleable. And so what do you do? You, you bring them together, you build the canopy, the wedding canopy, out of the two of them, combining the strength of the cedar and the flexibility of the pine. Okay? So the concept here is that when you're working on building the raw, you know, the, the building blocks, right? When, you, when you're looking to build building blocks, you want to go to extremes. You want a piece of wood that's as strong as possible, and you want the other one as flexible as possible. But neither one of them by itself is going to be such a good, uh, such a strong tree, or, or such a good material to build a house from. But when you combine those, when you re, when you uh, then take them and you put them together, you get the best of both worlds. So this is a concept. The Sforum Hakadoshim talk about that the way that Hashem built the worlds is that Hashem allows certain forces to develop to freakish proportions. Right? Whether it be the cedar to be so strong, which is not good, or the pine to be so malleable, which is not good. Or in our example, the Tanini Magdolum, the great serpents, or the Leviathan. In certain, you know, these one-dimensional super creatures. And then, those are broken. And then from those pieces... Hashem reconstructs much more complicated and balanced creatures that can that are capable of integrating all these different one-dimensional strengths into a beautiful tapestry that has aspects of all of them. So now it is not clear. Uh, If the Tiferes Yisrael means literally, or or he just using the the dinosaur, the, he's just saying that the same way that we know there were spiritual predecessors to the entirety of existence, so too there was an analogous uh, existence of dinosaurs. Uh, but that's not what the Sfar I'm talking about. That that would be much better than to, than to understand that he's literally talking about dinosaurs. Um, but be that as it may, being that Hashem built the world in such a way where there are these monstrous powers that are, each one is allowed to develop, you know, like in, each one in its own category to the extreme. 
But when you develop in such a direction to the extreme, you can't really survive. But then it kind of at least opens up certain, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it gene pools, you want to, you know, ge genetic materials, you want to call it abilities or, or um, energy pathways, however you want to call it, that can then be reconstructed to, to create the, the balanced mammals that, uh, that we have. That would be, that would be a concept not, uh, that, 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 uh, that would be a, a direction to take. What it is that Hashem gained by first making these things, but then making them in such a way, and we're, and we're saying that when we say Hashem killed them, we were saying it's not, it's not per se that Hashem went and killed them, you know, didn't use a knife to cut its throat, uh, but rather it means that it was, it just kept spinning further and further, you know, out of control in that, in that particular direction, this one in that particular direction, until they couldn't live. That's that would be the thinking. Um, so that's that's one that's one direction. That's one that's one possibility with dinosaurs. Is that dinosaurs indeed roamed the earth? Uh, there was uh, what about the Galileo Galilei's uh, square cube law? Well, that one potentially is uh, the reality was different. It was a much more spiritual reality, so it didn't present these problems. And with the extinction, is yes, that that's. How they were made. They were made to go extinct, so to speak. Designed to go extinct uh, in order then to lay the foundation the, the, for the more balanced, complicated animals to follow. Um, there is another way, very interesting way. If you're, if you're like 100% convinced the dinosaurs roamed the earth, then you're not going to like it initially, but just hear me out. And that is, we said before already, that the world went from spiritual to physical. And going from spiritual to physical, let's say in the spiritual realm, something died, so there was a spiritual skeleton, right, in the ground, so to speak. And when, it, when the whole world materialized, so then that spiritual skeleton became a physical skeleton. Now, what if we know, which we do, that the truth is, before the world had any physicality at all, in fact, before Hashem, before what was called Mycebracious, before the creation of the world, right, before there was light, we know, famous Midrash, Birke de Rebeliezer, that Beratius Baralokim. What does that mean? Beratius? What? In the beginning. In the beginning. That is usually how it's translated. But... Grammatically, there's no the. It should have said ba in the beginning. ba means in a beginning. So Pirkei de Rebbe Eliezer says, why is it called in a beginning? Because Hashem was bona olomo sumachriven. There were worlds that preceded this world. Those world were, worlds were not physical at all. They were completely spiritual worlds. And again, similar kind of discussion that we had earlier about that those worlds were kind of laying down a lot of the spiritual um, building blocks that would then be reconstructed and used for the building of the world that we know. But that's, that's a fact. That is what Hazal tells. That there were these spiritual worlds that pre-existed our quote-unquote real world. So if that's the case, one could propose an interesting idea that just like spiritually, our world, so to speak, has, is built on top of ruined worlds, so to speak, skeletons in there. Therefore, there's a, when our world materialized, it materialized with bones, these giant bones in the ground. It's like if I have a blueprint, but in the blueprint, inside the blueprint, I have it written in that there's precursors. So when I create, based on the blueprint, I create a physical reality. This physical reality will manifest 
those precursors. And this is a little bit similar to what, uh, what, what someone's suggesting. We, we raised it as a, as a side to reject right towards the beginning of what we're talking about where we said, well, what, what are you going to say that, that uh, Hashem created this old world that you're like kind of jumping into the middle or towards the end of a movie? Why, why would Hashem make a... What is this movie that Hashem would make? And then you're kind of... The reality starts from towards the end of the movie. What, why would there be such a thing? Right? But if we understand, no, no, it's not, it's not this all one movie. It's actually... It's a brand new movie. But... Yeah, it's like a, a what was the first episode of, of Star Wars, the the movie? Phantom what? Episode six or episode four? Phantom Menace. No, a new hope. No, episode one. Yeah, but that came later. Uh, so the first episode of the movie that was made is what? Episode four. Episode four. Now throughout that movie, episode four, right? There, there's constantly hints and allusions and whatever to. What was happening before, right? But it, but it's but it's but it starts with episode four. So that, we have to know why that would be. So now now we're seeing that actually Chazal provides us with why that is, because there were spiritual precursors to the spiritual construct of our world today, and so when our world be, was embodied, became embodied, became manifest into physicality. So there's, so to speak, physical traces of those worlds, even though in the physical reality, those worlds never existed. So that'd be a very interesting idea to say that the dinosaurs physical exist, never physically existed. The bones, just like our world emanated from a spiritual place to down here and followed perfectly the spiritual blueprint, and the spiritual blueprint has these uh, precursors called the um, primordial uh, worlds. Worlds. Uh, so, the, the, so too, that's reflected in the fossils in the ground. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when when Hazal refers to the, the skeletons, is the skeletons of the creatures exist? Existed in the in the previous episode, were the skeletons were the skeletons of the previous worlds itself. Sorry, say uh, repeat skeletons. the question. The skeletons were the skeletons uh, understood as the creatures from the previous uh, spiritual realms, or the skeletons were referred to were understood as the skeletons of the spiritual realms itself. Right, that's what I'm saying. That that, that there was. Let's just imagine spiritual creatures, so to speak, existing, creatures. spiritual or forces dying, mm -hmm. falling apart, mm -hmm. and then a new spiritual reality, and then that new spiritual reality is built on top of that old spiritual reality, and now that whole, and this is a fact, what I'm saying right now is written in the Svarmakadoshim for fact, right? And then that whole thing then goes from spiritual to physical. So, so the proposal is the proposal is that therefore we're finding evidence in the ground to something that, that never actually existed in the physical world. So again, early first option we were saying about dinosaurs was that they actually did exist, and they're they're just the the the, the Tani Magdolum, and. Uh, and, and then we, we, uh, we used the Torah to try to explain why it is that they went extinct. Why is it Hashem would make such creatures that can't really have a continuity? And then, uh, an interesting proposal uh, uh, that perhaps they never actually existed. I just want to end off. We, we have four minutes left. It's our sixth time sitting down together. I want to end off with an incredible Der Hashem that I was learning today. Der Hashem, right towards the beginning, is those of you that are doing the, the Amud Yomi, um, maybe you're right there actually, maybe you're right there, or maybe you'll get there tomorrow. Oz Base, are they doing Oz Base? Yes. Today, today, ah, oh, unbelievable. Oz Base and Der Hashem today, if you're not doing Der Hashem, you definitely should consider doing it, it's foundational knowledge. So he says over there, that we believe in the perfection of Hashem's existence, 
he's perfect, he lacks nothing. And he says, and you should know that this belief that we have, we have this belief because we all stood at Harsinai and we saw for a fact, we know this, we were there. But you should know that all of this can be validated and confirmed and proven through scientific exploration. This is telling us how to relate to science. Through the study of natural science, physics, and mathematics, says the Ramchal, you can come to gain certain axioms of existence, and then you can extrapolate upwards, obviously a philosophical process, to come to the conclusion of one God, of his perfection, uh, which indeed Aristotle got to. Now, that, that is, that is a, a very big thing uh, to understand that the two, was, the Torah is called the Chochmas uh, Pnimis, the internal wisdom. Science is called Chochmos Chitsonios, external wisdoms. So two distinctions. First of all, Torah is one, uh, whereas the wisdoms of science are many. And the Torah is the internality of all of them. I mean, science is the outer expression. If you imagine there's an inner heart of the truth of existence. And then, as it manifests out from that one central point, so you're going to have, on the one side, you're going to have natural sciences, you have chemistry, biology, on the other side, you can have physics, on the other side, you can have math, all these being coming out of the core of the center, which is the Torah. And so he's saying that they all can, you can trace, with them you can trace back towards the Torah, right? You can certainly validate. Now validation, when you validate, means you already kind of know what you're looking at. You know what you're looking to do. You, you understand where this is going to go. And now you run an experiment to confirm or deny that. I'm not talking about generating hypotheses. That's what you should mean to say, if you're using science to generate hypotheses, you might end up going into, into a wrong direction. If, you, if you're starting from scratch, I don't know anything, I don't, I've never heard of this whole, this whole creation thing, then you might end up, you know, especially if you have certain rules, and you think supernatural is, is against the rules or whatever, but if you're saying science is man's ability to use his mind to observe the world around him, to study natural science, to study physics, study mathematics, try to extrapolate, try to understand, then indeed it's a very, very powerful thing and can be used to validate, affirm everything that we believe. In, on the grand scale, obviously all the details it can't speak to, that's, it's, too, it's too fine for, for an external science, but at least the basics of existence of one God, of his perfection, of him being the source of all creation, those uh, can be validated. That, that's what Rebchal says, uh, where we are right now in Der Hashem. Uh, we said there'd be a Q&A. We're out of time. I'm sorry, uh, but uh, I hope that was, that was good. If you want, I can stick around for a few minutes after Marv, if anyone has any questions.